let's uh, let's reread Romans 8 1 and 2 therefore no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death let's pray together father help me to be a plain preacher today so plain that a child would understand me Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. Lord, you look at all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm your teacher, your preacher, and on me is a great judgment, a greater judgment, a more strict judgment than anybody in this room. And I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. So in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to see you all. Thanks for being here today. We had a great crowd in our early service as well. Uh, we're in July, ending July. We've been focusing on a freedom message through the month of July. Remember, freedom is not doing what you want. It's not a license for you to go do what you want, but what he wills in and around his kingdom. And we look at verse one, it starts out by saying, therefore, no condemnation now exists for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, the word condemnation here means penalty or judgment. Uh, there's no longer a judgment. I don't know if you just heard the song or paid attention to the words, but we just sang a song that says, I have no fear of condemnation in the lyrics. Uh, there's no fear of condemnation. There's no, there's no more penalty for those of us who are found to be in Christ. No more condemnation. Eugene Peter Peterson says that condemnation is like this low-lying dark cloud that could hang over you and it's no longer hanging over you. It has been removed a fact that you've got to get to and a foundation that you have to understand about condemnation, and we're going we're gonna to start building this. In fact, it should already be there in your life as a Christian, but in case it isn't, let's, uh, let's put that, that building block there. Uh, John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world that he might judge. It's actually a word that means condemn to that he might judge or condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already judged or condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. We, we sometimes get into our thinking and sometimes we try to use logic and just figure it out ourselves without going to the word of God. But we're, we're thinking that people who are unbelievers right now will one day be condemned. The truth is, all of us were condemned, but some of us came to Christ. It's not that an evil world is going to be condemned in the future. A pagan world, an unbelieving world, they're already condemned. Sometimes we get in our mind, there's a future condemnation for them, but they're already condemned. And then you're going, well, the, the Lord is going to bring the condemning. It's, he, it says he doesn't do that. He didn't come to condemn the world. It's already condemned. 
He came to be able to save the world, to rescue us from that condemnation in our life. And we got to look at the beautiful picture of rescue. That's why he came. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of Jesus, is he came to rescue us from already being condemned. John 14, 6 uh, says this, as he taught his disciples and us, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I want you to look at all of it, but I really want you to focus in, I am the way. He is the only way out of this condemnation, the only way out. Preaching should always reflect the cross and the resurrection of Christ because it represents forgiveness and freedom that we have in the Lord. Uh, his name is Jesus, we sang earlier. There's freedom in his name because he is the only way out. Hebrews says, how are you going to escape if you neglect so great a salvation? What, what's your other way out? There is no other way out. So please understand in your foundational thinking it's not that there's future condemnation for people. It's already there. They will just carry it out to its fullest form. But preaching reflects the cross and the resurrection, the way that he rescued us. Look at John 5, verse 24 for just a moment. John wrote, I assure you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment. Did you see that? Did you see that? Don't look at me. Look at the scripture. The he who sent believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death unto life. The picture is, if you're not a believer, you're condemned already, and you're the walking dead, okay? Dead man walking. Biologically, you may be living, even surviving, but you are condemned already. You, you're, a, you're a dead person walking. And what happens when the Lord saves us is he rescues us out of that condemnation. And we've passed from death to life. I'm, I'm so proud of Tucker leading, been leading the last two Sundays, his blessed wife, Allie, uh, that are up here. That was husband and wife duo uh, and met, fell in love in this church. We've even got pictures to when they were little kids just staring at each other, you know what I mean? Because they both grew up in this church. And it's got these little cartoon heart bubbles all around them, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm really proud of Tucker and uh, not only what he does, but his ability to be able to lead in his way. And uh, Logan, our main worship leader, is out. He's at Crossings. He's at Crossings in Cedarmore, been there a couple weeks. He's led uh, Crossings uh, there again. I think he's led about four weeks of Crossings camp. We loan him out. We want him to do that as part of who we are. Uh, but I'm saying all that about Crossings. We have four kids. Uh, they're kids to me, but they're out of our church. They're serving uh, this summer in those camps. 
and uh, they're worn out. We're gonna show their pictures later on and just have you pray for them as uh, they're winding down their summer. But the name Crossings, which is the camp in Shelby County and the camp in Marshall County uh, in the West Kentucky, comes from this passage. And uh, some, some versions have not come under judgment, but has crossed from death to life. And so crossings got their name from crossed from death to life. So the, the picture that you need to be able to see here is, I, I may have grown up as a preacher's kid and I may have grown up in the parsonage next door to the church, and I did. I didn't live in anybody else's house. I mean, I lived in somebody else's house until Julie and I were married. So I, I grew up in the parsonage and you think that's gonna happen automatically, but I was condemned, do you understand that? I lived on the campus of the church, but I was condemned. I was condemned already, you were too, before you came to Christ. You're condemned already. It's not that you're gonna be condemned in the future and evil, unbelieving, pagan people are gonna be condemned in the future. Get your foundation right. They are condemned already. So in his rescue, he came and rescued us with his salvation. He pulled us out of that. And we have crossed over from death to life. Biologically, as an unbeliever, you may be living, but you're a dead man walking because you are already living a word, a, a life in this world of declining, declining if you're an accountant, it'd be declining depreciation. But it, it is, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a world of, you're, it's just declining. Condemnation is bringing you down. And the beauty of this is if we go back to verse one in Romans eight, and I, I love this, I underlined it even in my study, therefore no condemnation now exists for those who are in Christ Jesus. Back to John 5, 24. I'm, I'm not gonna fear, I'm not gonna come under judgment. Listen, I have people tell me, they're like, I, I'm afraid to stand in front of Jesus. Guys, he's my savior He's my Lord. I'm not going to look at him and run the other way. Do you understand? Uh, you're, you're going, well, man, I, if, if you are afraid to stand in front of him, then there's something you need to handle. I can't wait to see him. I don't know if we're going to fist bump. I don't know if we're going to high five. I don't know if we're going to chest bump or a brother's got a hug. I don't know. We may do every one of those, but I'm looking forward to being with him. I'm not going to look at him and go, no, I don't want to be with that guy. That is the guy that rescued me. That is the man who saved me. Why would I run from him? He delivered and rescued. We could have this picture of dreading that. He's your advocate. He's the one that says to the devil, not today, right? I, I mean, we've got to look at it that way and understand it that way. And not only does condemnation, no condemnation now exists, we're forgiven and our sins are forgotten. Look at Hebrews 8, 12. 
For I will be merciful to their wrongdoing and I will never again remember their sins. He says it again in Hebrews 10. That won't come on the screen. They get it from Jeremiah chapter 31 that our sins are not only forgiven, our sins are forgotten. Now, you'll take me to task on this one. You will. You already are in your mind. You're going, well, preacher, uh, I... uh, I'm sometimes reminded of my sins, and you will be, but it won't be from the Lord. When he forgives you, it says he throws your sins into the depths of the sea. He said when he forgives you, it's like the forgiveness is the vast expanse between the east and the west. He says, I will remember them no more, but let me insert something that you don't always go thinking about. We have an old enemy, and an old enemy accuses. Revelation says he accuses us day and night. And he he will remind you that you can't be that new person that Christ says you can be. Christ says you've now crossed over from death into life, and Christ says you're in life, but the enemy will tell you you're still dead man walking. He'll never accept you. He'll never forgive you. He'll never ever let you go of all the things you've done in your rebellion, and we've all done them. But the enemy will constantly remind you of your sins. This is who you really are. This is who you really are. And he'll put that doubt in you. And we'll get to a verse in just a moment where the beautiful picture of the gospel is he will bring reassurance to you that you are his. He will do that. Now, he doesn't want you to doubt. He's not going to tell you to doubt. But when doubt happens, he can bring great assurance to you. But don't you see that old enemy reminding you of who you used to be? I remember one time I was preaching back home in Campbellsville and uh, this lady was a uh, substitute teacher. She's gone on to be with the Lord now. Her name's Betty Colvin. Know her family well, all of it. But anyway, uh, I, uh, I remember I was preaching a revival back in Campbellsville, my home, and I saw her sitting in the back. And... Uh, you know how we can, we as students can bless substitute teachers, right? Is bless the right word? Uh, yeah, anyway. So I saw Miss Colvin sitting in the back. The service was over. She came to the front and she says, it's really good to see you, Jeff. And she goes, I've got to confess something. I said, what? She goes, I never, ever thought you would ever be a preacher. And I said, well, Miss Colvin, that makes two of us. That makes two of us. Uh, he will remind you, even in the ministry, he will remind me of what I could have had had I stayed at UPS. You understand? If you hadn't have been in all these churches, the enemy will whisper things to you to get you to believe the, the things that God is trying to do in your life that they can't happen. You all under, y'all looking at me weird. I know I've got my glasses off and I can't, I see best with them on, but are you all understanding this? That he says you're forgiven and he says they're forgotten. But the enemy will remind you that this is who you really are and it's all a lie. We are no longer, what does it say? No condemnation now exists for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
I'm not afraid of Jesus. I, I love and it indebted to everything he has ever done in our life. Look at verse two, Romans eight, chapter, uh, chapter eight, verse two. Because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And we're gonna handle this in two segments. We're gonna focus on the Spirit's law of life that comes in and through Christ Jesus. It is a kingdom that he calls us into. Let me give you a verse we've been handling lately. No, it's not James 1. That's coming later, though, by the way. Uh, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. And let's, let's, let's be reminded of what's happened. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. Th that, that, th that's the picture of where we are, condemned already. That's the domain of darkness but he has rescued us out of that darkness. He has transferred us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Do you see the transfer? We're, we're no longer living in the domain of darkness. We've been moved into the kingdom of the son that he loves. We have crossed over, help me out here. You're paying attention, I'll let you out early, I promise. John 5, 24, we've crossed over from death to life. Death was in the domain of darkness. Go back to the other verse. Death was in the domain of darkness. Life is in the kingdom of the son that he loves. Do you see that? We crossed over from that. Crossings has occurred. So let's get a picture of unbelieving world is condemned already. And let's get a sharper picture of the world for just a moment. John chapter 17, verses 14 through 18. I want to, this is the prayer of Jesus. All of John 17 is a prayer of Jesus. All of it. Let's walk through this section and it has to do with the world. You and I have had things said to us. We may have said it. We are in the world, but we are not of it. That's a paraphrase of what is going on here. And let's look at this picture. I have given them your word, Jesus says. The world hated them because they are not of the world. And I am not of the world. He's of a kingdom. I am not praying that you take them out of the world. Do you see that? Even though we, we may vote for it, right? But that you protect them from the evil one because he wants to ensnare you. Verse 16, they are not of the world as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Now hang on. We got this world we're living in, but for those of us that he has rescued, crossed over from death to life, moved us from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of the son that he loves, for, for being condemned to not being condemned. For all those, he says, as I have sent you into the world, uh, as you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Here becomes the picture. You and I are in this big old world, but as believers, we're living a kingdom life inside a worldly existence. And we're in it, but we're not of it. Go back to that verse, if you will. We're in it, but we're not of it. I want you to focus on that last. It says, I also have sent them into the world. Here's what happens. 
Here's what happens. You and I both know the culture in which we live is crazy, chaotic, and confused. We shake our head at it. And, and I, I'm gonna say, when you get to understand it, it changes, and then you're gonna say, I don't know if I'm gonna ever understand it, right? And here's what happens. And it happens logically, but it's not the word of God. Logically, as a pastor, you're going to want me to build a shelter so that you and your family can come to and escape that world that's crazy, confused, and chaotic. That's never the intent of the church. It might be your logical intent, but that is not a scriptural or a biblical view of the church. He has called us to the domain of darkness. He has called us to be light in those areas. You with me? Y'all staring at me, a little crazy. So we'll, we'll wanna go, man, that world out there is driving me nuts, and it can. So let's build a shelter where all of our families can go and we'll be safe from that world. That sounds wonderful, but it doesn't match the Gethsemane prayer here. No, he goes, as you have sent me into the world, I also am building a shelter on all my believers so that the world can't get to them. Is that what it says? No, it says, I also have sent them into the world. I have sent them into the world. Do you see that? We are called to that crazy, chaotic, confused world. We're called to it. And we're called to go into it and to venture into it. With the power of God, we go into darkness and we go into it with the light of Christ is what we do. Now, we have a, a strategy here called the Hope Arrow. And if you're new to our church, we had a whole row of people from Illinois just moved here and they were in the early service and, and they, we hadn't run them off yet. So they've been here, they've been here a, a few Sundays uh, and they had not seen the Hope Arrow. So the, the H stands for have spiritual conversations with people, uh, have that. The O stands for open up the scriptures, predominantly the gospels and, and read, get, get your own Bible study. You get it going. Your Bible study is not dependent upon me. Do you all understand that? You, you need to have a hunger for his word and understand the beauty of his word. So get at it. Mow your yard, okay? You don't just stand out there and look at your yard. My son used to love to do that, but he doesn't anymore. Talk to him. He said, Dad, I got to mow my yard. I said, that's my boy right there. Just make sure you take your, gro your, your grocery cart back and you're, gonna, you're set for heaven, right? So the, the, the picture here is open up the scriptures, predominantly gospels. P is pray and listen. Praying is not just telling God stuff, it's listening to God too. It's a beautiful, unique balance between the two. E, engage yourself with people, eat with people, spend time with them. Eating with people is a, a time where you'll get into conversations you may never ever get to because of how busy our lives are. And then the, the arrow is based off of, go back to John 17, Kim, if you will. It's based off this. It's based off that prayer. 
as you, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Next Sunday, we're gonna commission all of you who are a part of school systems and work with children and in education. We're gonna, we're gonna commission you and bless you. We're gonna want you to know if you'll go back to the Hope Arrow, we wanna go back to know to let you know you are sent by God into that area. That's just not your job. That's just not your career. That's just not the fulfillment of your college degree. You are sent by God to go there. So don't, don't look for me. I'm not going to be the pastor that, that builds the shelter so you and your family can feel safe. I do want this to be a safe, safe spot. But it's not a shelter from the world outside. We gather to go. One of the, one of the sermons when I was younger, I just remember this, this is back when we, uh, we watch cartoons. It's talking about the world and how chaotic it is. And uh, it's back when you would see comics in a newspaper. And uh, one man used this, and I, I saw it in his book. He had a cartoon, and you, you did it by frames, if you remember. Frame number one, two, three, four. And so in the very first frame was just a picture of an egg just an egg fully formed. The second picture, the second frame, had a chick who's picking through the egg, starting to use its beak to get out. The third picture has the eggshell, the top of the egg is already fallen off. The next frame is the chick is stepping out of the egg, and then the next frame has the chick looking at the chaotic world that is out there, and then the next frame has the chick trying to get back in the egg because it's just a crazy world out there. Sometimes that is our way of thinking. But we gather here today to celebrate Jesus being raised from the dead, remembering his sacrifice to us, being enlightened and encouraged by his word that he is who he is and that he came to be able to rescue us. He came after those who were already condemned and told them your only way out is through me. How are you going to escape if you neglect so great a gospel or so great a salvation? How else are you going to escape? And he says, I am the way. I am the only way for this to happen. In fact, the word for church is ecclesia, which means you're the called out ones. We're called out. We're not called to shelter. We gather here today in all of our celebration of Christ to go. Go tell a condemned world that they, there is a man named Jesus who can rescue you. It says in verse two, we'll go back to verse two for just a moment. In Romans 8, 2, and it's, it says, because we, we have no condemnation now, because of the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus. The, the word life there is the word zoe, Z-O-E. And in fact, the, the couple that's working in the loft, they have a daughter that they named that. And it's life that is above biological living. This is biological existence. But he calls us to a life that is above that. It is an abundant life that can only be found in Christ. And notice in this verse, because of the Spirit's law of life. Look at this. This is so beautiful. 
Look at what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is always pointing you to Christ. It doesn't say the Spirit's law of, of life in itself. It's in Christ Jesus. The Spirit knows who the rescuer is, and it is Christ himself. It says the Spirit, as beautiful as he is, is only a deposit of what is to come. Now think through this for a moment. As great as it is to receive the Holy Spirit of God, it's only a deposit or a guarantee. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5 for a moment. In 2 Corinthians 5, 5, it says, and the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment of what is to come. Getting the Holy Spirit is only a, a deposit that there's more beyond it. There's more beyond it. Same thing. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. We'll go from the fifth chapter back to the first chapter. Now it is God who strengthens us with you in Christ and has anointed us. He, it, this person who has anointed us is God. He has also sealed us in giving us the spirit as a down payment of more that is to come in our hearts. Look at Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. I just want you to see where scripture just rolls with this. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in him, you were also sealed with a promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14, and he's known as the Holy Spirit of promise from that verse. Verse 14, he is the down payment of our inheritance. Whoa. For the redemption of the possession to the praise of, of his glory. He, he, he listen, I, I, I love the Holy Spirit living in us and you, you may want to go, well, I'll just settle there, but it's only a deposit that more is to happen. That more is to take place and more that is to come. And you're, you're going, well, what is that? Just know that the Spirit's law of life, the life, this kingdom life, is a life that is driven by the Holy Spirit. And as great as he is, it's only a deposit of what is to come in the future. Look at verse two. It says that you've been set free from the law of sin and death. Uh, the Spirit's law of life is living in us. That's Zoe, biological living is here. Zoe, abundant living is here. And it has, it has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is a picture of worldly principles, earthly, fleshy principles. It is a picture that you are in a prison. Uh, it is a picture that you are in a prison, that, you're, that you're, you're sentenced to death and condemnation. And I, I know you've been asking for it. And since you've been asking for it, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have it. James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. All right? Some of you are going, oh, no, but you're going to use it, I promise. What's this, seven times I've used it in the last five Sundays or so? This is the pattern. James wrote this as the pattern of sin, step by step. It's what the enemy uses. It's, this is what I am rescued from. This is what you are rescued from. This is the enemy's intent to our life, leading us to death. 
and he rescued us. He came in the midst of those steps and found us and pulled us out of there. That's the domain of darkness that we just saw in Colossians 1. Nod your head like a Tennessee walking horse, okay? You got that? That, that, is, that is the domain of darkness. He was reaching in there and he pulled us out and he placed us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. I'm in this world, but I'm living another world life. I'm living a kingdom life. And in this, step by step, he said, each person is tempted when he is drawn away. Remember, the first thing he does is isolate you. First thing he does, from the word of God, the people of God, the house of God, he'll march you right on. That's his first step. Second, we're enticed by our own evil desires. The word enticed here is like a fishing lure. I mean, if you've got a lure that the bass are always getting, you're gonna always use that lure. And that, it's, it's just a temptation. It just becomes a temptation for that old bass. And so he entices you. You've got desires. God gave them to him. And he'll, he'll bring a lure in front of you and get you to take a desire that God has given you and use it in an evil way. Well, you got a choice with that desire. I can use it in an evil way or I can use it in a way that God has blessed and ordained. I've got one or two ways I can go. But when, you, when, when that old bass grabs that lure, makes that big explosion in the water, then it, that desire has conceived. You've, it's no longer a thought. It has now become a part of your life. It gives birth to sin. When sin, it matures, it's fully grown, it gives birth to more sin, and it gives birth to death. What has he rescued me from? That. That is a condemned life. Do you hear me? We are born into that pattern, and that is a condemned life. You better get this verse, because it's going to be on the test. James 1, 14 and 15. He pulls us out of that and he rescues us from that. Hallelujah. That's death. And he pulls me into life. That's darkness. And he pulls me into his kingdom. That's, that's condemnation. And he brings me to where I don't fear being with the Lord. I can't wait to be able to see him. We are set free from every bit of that. So if you want to see what freedom looks like, I'm staying in the context of Romans 8 because we've been in verses 1 and 2, but we're going to skip down to verse 12 and 17 of Romans 8. You remember I told you the Holy Spirit is as great as he is, is only a deposit of what is to come. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Go ahead and skip. skip. Did you skip one on me? There you go. Thank you. Then, brothers, we are not obligated to live to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Kim, you're getting ahead of me. You slow down up there, all right? I'm not that fast. <laughs> Love you dearly. Uh, for if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. Remember? Dead man walking. You're condemned already. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We're, we're transferred into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. Verse 14. All those led by God's Spirit are God's children, sons and daughters. 
For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, James 1, 14 and 15. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out Abba, which means daddy, a more intimate father. And then verse 16, the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Hang on. When the enemy tries to tell you that your sins are not forgiven and forgotten, and he reminds you of all the stain of your life, the damage that you've done, this is what the Spirit does. The Spirit comes and reminds you that you belong to Him. There are times uh, in my life and just praying, we've all been there. Uh, and the Lord reminds me of, uh, we, Remy is with us from Haiti today. And Remy, welcome. When I we met, and he's staying with a friend in Green County, Greensburg. And uh, he hadn't found out where Summersville is, but he'll get to God's country there in Camelsville before too long. And, and uh, he's from Disciples Village, by the way, from, from our, the, what we are connected to. Yes, absolutely. And I can remember there are times in my adult life that uh, where the enemy will aggravate all of us, right? And there's times the Lord reminds me of even the moment, the picture in my mind of when I gave my life to Christ. I didn't, know, I didn't know everything from Genesis to Revelation when I gave my life to Christ. I just knew that he came to rescue me. And I knew that I led him. I surrendered to that point of rescue. So this is what happens. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are his children. When the enemy and that doubt creeps in, this is how the Holy Spirit overrides it. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't the Lord beautiful? Isn't his spirit beautiful? Isn't scripture beautiful? He put that in there because he knew, he knew there'd be days of doubt, right? And then verse 17, and if children also heirs. Okay, wait a minute. Remember the spirit is a deposit of what is to come, of more. Here's the more. Here's the more. You know, I might just settle. Him pulling me out of James 1, 14 and 15, rescuing my life. I might settle for that. I might say, okay, I've got the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. But the Holy Spirit's only a deposit because he says, if you walk with me, there's more. Amen. There's more. And here, here we get to looking at more of the more. It, he says, you're not only my sons and my daughters. Hang on. We were once his enemies. We were condemned already. He not only rescued us, he adopted us. And then when he adopted us, here's the more, we become heirs. And we become heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I might even just settle for heaven, you know? I'm saying, okay, you rescued me, you gave me the Holy Spirit. You know, I'll take door number three. If we're gonna make a deal, I'll just take my chances on door number three. I'll just, I'll just take being in heaven, like the prodigal son. You remember he left his dad and his brother and went, wasted it all. He came back, he thought he can't be accepted as a son anymore. And he's thinking, well, maybe my dad will just accept me as a servant. But he takes him back as his son and they celebrate his return. 
And I might just say, Lord, I'll just take heaven. I don't have to be a co-heir with Christ. I'll just take heaven. I remember that old gospel song, Lord, build me a cabin in the corner of Glory Land. And my dad used to always say, I'm not trading for a cabin. You know, uh, there's, there's more. Here's the picture of this. We become heirs of God and co-heirs, co-heirs with Christ. Listen, here's the more. Everything he gives Jesus, he is going to give to me and you. Not just the spirit, it's just a deposit of all that is to come. Seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. We'll go through suffering, but he will absolutely, even all the odds, correct all the wrongs and everything the father intends to give Jesus he will give us what that's unbelievable. Do you see the more I'm glad that the Holy spirit put that in scripture. As I get older, I've always thought it was beautiful, but in it, a beautiful picture of Jesus that he reaches down and rescues us out of James 1, 14 and 15 out of darkness into the kingdom out of death into life. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit and he says, the Holy Spirit is awesome. He is awesome, but he's only a deposit because there's more to come that you believed in me. And oh Lord, I'll just take a cabin in the corner of glory land. Wait a minute, this is gonna be more than a cabin. It's gonna be more than a cabin because what I have given Jesus, I intend to give you. He's my son and you are my sons and my daughters. No condemnation now exists. You and I need to live as free. And that freedom is in Christ. And we invite you there. You may have never surrendered your life to Christ. May today be that day. You come surrender. It may be a day that you need to give thanks for the rescue that he's given you. You need to be reminded of that. It may be a day where you went, man, I've had a, the enemy's been accusing me and there's doubt. And today I've been reminded that I am forgiven and my sins are forgotten. And I just want to say thanks for the rescue that he has given us. And thank you for the promise of all that is to come, all that is to come in and through him. The invitation is this, whosoever will, for whatever reason today, you come. Church, would you stand with us? Counselors, would you find your spot in the altar? You may be here and you, you need to go through baptism. That's not, you've, you, you've not had an obedient step toward baptism. Let our people know. You just come as the Holy Spirit beckons you, you come.